Well, hey there, you guys. Hello now. And I welcome you back. I welcome you back, man, to another episode here of the Mr. Healthy Habit Show. Appreciate you joining me. And today we've got a pretty deep topic. We are going to continue off from the last Monday morning meditation episode about shutting down our brain and what life could be like after death if there is such a thing and whether or not there is such a thing as the existence of a soul. So, in last Monday's episode, we did a little meditation slash thought experiment on what happens after our brain shuts down. What happens after you lose all of your senses? What happens after you lose your memory? The ability to experience your thoughts, your wants, your desires, your emotions. As if you were in a deep sleep. We'd imagine that it's the same thing that takes place when you fall into a deep sleep for, say, several hours with no dreams. And you have no experience to draw back on. After you wake up, that time is gone. You were nowhere. It was this as if you fundamentally did not exist. Now, many scientists and great sages from history would argue that that's exactly what happens when we die. When your brain shuts down, there is nothing left. There is no self that lives on. We are simply a collection of microorganisms working together for survival. That's all that we are. We have a brain that is made up of neurons and brain tissues and glands and chemistry. And somehow this brain produces a conscious experience. And we, to this day, do not really quite know how that happens. One example that I've heard in a previous lecture that I've listened to is how we'll never really know what a bat experiences when it uses its form of echolocation. You see, we don't know how our optic nerve cells create an image in front of us. We know what happens. We know that our optic nerve takes in light impulses and there is energy waves that go through these neurons and they produce electrical impulses that fire a certain way in our brain to create a mental experience. But we don't exactly know how it does that. Just like a bat, we will never know exactly what it hears. It's very possible that it could actually see what it hears, and in many respects it does. See, the point I'm trying to make here is all brain activity can explain most of our experience. I mean, we don't know exactly how our brain creates that experience, but when we experience things, it can all be attributed to some form of brain activity. I mean, we can pretty much map the brain and tell where movements come from, where our thoughts come from. But again, we don't know exactly how this illusion of a self is created within the brain. All we know is that all of the functions of a human can somehow be explained through a brain activity. You don't need the presence of a soul in order to explain 
why we operate the way that we do. And if we think about this and we go a little deeper, we look at the other side of the coin, let's examine a soul. What exactly do we picture when we picture a soul? What does a soul do? Does it, does it see things? Does it comprehend things? Can it understand things? Can it communicate? Can it process information? Can it move? Well, science today would say that that is all of those things that I just said uh, to give us a picture of what a soul actually is capable of. All of those things are functions of a brain. That is all things that we can map in our brain and say, hey, look, this is actually what's going on when this happens. You can see the brain at work. If all of that is functions of a brain, then how can a soul have these similar functions without a brain to process that information? It completely goes against the laws of nature, the laws of Newton, the laws of physics to have this this entity out there such as a soul that is not a, a physical thing that we can touch that can somehow physically manipulate the world. It just goes against science to believe in such of things. And one more argument here on the topic of brain function versus the functions of a soul. Uh, they've done studies and have written reports about many people that have had traumatic brain injuries. Uh, one noted was a steel worker back in, uh, the railroad days, you know, when they were building railroads across the country and they used to use explosives to drive spikes into the ground. Uh, now apparently one of the men working on the railroad fired off an explosive to try to drive a stake into the ground and it went the other way, rebounded on him and went through his chin and out through his head. Uh, he lived. But it damaged the frontal lobe of his brain permanently. Now, they say before this happened, this man was a real mild-mannered person. He was polite. He was generous and kind and all these good things. After this happened, it changed his personality. He was no longer the same person. He was now very mean, very rude. Couldn't be trusted to be left alone around women and children. And was frankly, uh, it's from what it sounds like, a very scary guy. And the argument being made here with this report is that if you alter the physical conditions of the brain, you alter the personality. So, therefore, personality is largely a product of the brain. There really is nothing else inside that drives us. If there was, if he actually had a soul, if he actually had a being that was responsible for his personality and the way he was as a person, it would not be altered by a physical alteration to the brain because there was something else there that, that gave him life, that animated him. And... If you can alter the brain and change his personality, well then, is there anything deeper that animates us? Which is our next question on the existence of a soul. What exactly animates us? Is there a soul that animates us? And again, let's go deeper here. Assume I'm gone now and my body shuts down and my soul 
leaves my body and is ready to float off to heaven or nirvana or whatever a soul does. Does the question of what animates me still persist? Would I be a wandering soul looking at the energy that composes me or whatever does? Would I ask the question, what, what is all of this? Okay, I'm a soul now. What, what makes me? What, what is this made of? And does the question persist, what animates me? If I'm a soul walking around, is it fair? Is it a fair question to still ask, well, what animates this? Is there something that animates my soul? And if so, what animates that? It's almost as if it's, it's just a never ending loop. If the question of what animates us is a never ending loop, then you have to ask, is there an answer? Is there anything at all that, that animates us or is it just an illusion? All this being said, I'm not necessarily willing and ready to tap out on the existence of a soul. I've had my own experiences in life, and I'm not sure if I'm willing to just turn mother's picture to the wall on this one, so to speak. I've had a ghost story that I'll share here with you. And I know, you know, ghost stories, yeah, not exactly a scientific perspective, but an interesting one. A uh, while back, when I was 17 or so, I was asleep. It was the middle of the night. My brother was sleeping in the bed next to me uh, uh, across the room. And uh, all of a sudden, my bed started to shake and it woke me up. I jumped up, I turned around, and there was nothing there. So then I looked around, I looked on the floor, made sure my brother was asleep, everything was good. So then I turned back around and laid back down. And then my bed started shaking again. And I mean hard, as if someone put their foot on the edge of the bed and started shaking it. And so I jumped up and turned around and there was nothing there. It stopped shaking again. So then I laid back down to sleep and my bed started shaking a third time. This was not an earthquake because it kept starting and stopping. I looked around, I couldn't find anything. So then I went to sleep facing the opposite direction and it stopped. Well, there are many stories about that house and people that have seen a kid running around in the backyard and would just disappear into the fence and whatnot. And many mysterious things have happened around that house. So it is kind of hard for me to say that I don't believe in ghosts. I mean, because that is not an experience that I've taken lightly. I mean, that really did happen. And I, there's just no explanation for it to this day that I could come up with myself. Also, a good friend of mine, his younger brother passed away overseas in Iraq back in 2004 in the Iraq war. The night after he passed, I had a dream that I went to visit him and there was a party at his house and everybody told me Mike's here. And I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean Mike's here? He, he passed away. They led me to the room in the back of the house and then Mike was standing there. I gave him a big hug and he hugged me and he told me, he said, Jesse, I'm glad to see you, but I can't stay. And he closed his eyes and he died right there in my arms in the dream. I laid him down on the ground, covered his eyes, and then I woke up. Also, the night after my mother passed away, I went home that night from the hospital after we had just watched her pass on. 
And the next morning I woke up and knew a kind of sleep paralysis. I couldn't move, but I heard my mother's voice behind me and I heard my father asking her, Debbie, Debbie, are you okay? And she said, yes, yes. And she sounded as if she was doing so much better than she had been the previous so many years of her life. And I asked her, mom, are, are you okay? And she told me, yes, that she feels much, much better. And then I woke up. And with experiences like that, I'll, I will tell you, it's very hard to believe that there is no, no afterlife. And I do believe that we do have some form of afterlife. For example, right now, I'm speaking to you through this podcast and these ideas are entering your mind and they are something that you will never forget. You may not be able to recall them as easy, but they will forever be stored in your memory and will affect you going on in life. And the things that you do and the accomplishments that you make, this will be there. It will be there when I speak to my kids and he goes on living and teaches his kids the lessons that I've taught him. My energy persists. It goes through the universe and never dies. It's a permanent thing that exists through the ripples in time and space that I've created with my life. So if I am fundamentally selfless and there is no soul, then really what changes? It's just a different manifestation of me. It's just me spread out through my kids and through my wife and through my friends and my family. I never existed to begin with. I was just an illusion created by biology that influenced everyone else around me that created ripples in space, contributing to the cause and effect nexus that is the universe that we live in. And that being said, the greatest argument that I've heard for the existence of a soul is, okay, let's say we are an illusion created by biology. We are just a, this chemical biological experiment that creates this illusion of consciousness. Well, then I leave you with the question, who is the illusion? It's got to be somebody. Is that illusion anybody? Am I the illusion? Well, if I'm the illusion, well, then there, am, there, there I am. If, is an illusion actually not a thing? I'm just a collection of chemical biology and neurons firing that gives the illusion of consciousness. Therefore, I don't exist. Well, who doesn't exist? Who doesn't exist? Is it me that doesn't exist? Because if I don't exist, well, then fundamentally I exist because I have to exist to have a non-existence. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's a paradox right now that I've been kind of trapped in between different lectures that I've heard. One argues that there is a soul. One argues that there's not a soul. As for the question of who is the illusion, who doesn't exist, that's a topic that we'll go into in another week. Uh, but again, I do thank you here for joining me. I hope that you found this interesting. And uh, uh, thanks again so much. Follow me on Instagram at philosophical.reminders or at Mr. Underscore Healthy Underscore Habits or my YouTube, Mr. Healthy Habits or wherever you're getting this podcast, you can follow me along there too as well. I hope you enjoyed that. I really did very much myself putting that out there and I look forward to doing this again for you guys. Take care. God bless. Love you guys.